2: Hello and welcome. This is your bonus Q and A episode of uh, Books of the Year. Matt is here, still in his shirt. I am is... indeed, still wearing a shirt. <laughs> normally, he's not. He's, he's not usually this smart, Victoria. I think he's. Yes. I think he's dressed See, up. Normally
0: I don't know well, string no, vest normally,
2: normally
1: I'd be wearing my ACDC top so well, oh. next time we get you one I promise I will not it's in the wash yes, is it in dear. the
0: wash <laughs> I'm glad no, I'm for my point. sake she's dressed up for you
2: that's what I think
0: she actually uh, a cool shirt
2: anyway the, okay enough praise yeah for no that. no very, very happy with that <laughs> question, number, question number one Victoria what is the last book that you really really enjoyed reading gosh not just a kind of yeah it yeah. was pretty good
0: no the last book I really enjoyed was actually the last book and it's by Claire Keegan and it's actually the first novel of hers that I've read and she's written several that have won many prizes but I'd sort of resisted her for some reason but there on the counter by the till um, is a tiny, beautiful, little hardback uh, called So Late in the Day by Claire Keegan and I picked this little thing up Because I couldn't. I mean, I do actually rather like small books because I know I can sit down in one sitting. This is over a cup of coffee, and read it from cover to cover. And I really felt like doing that last week. So late in the day is a perfect. It's it's a novelette. It's a. It's not even. It's almost shorter than a lot of short stories. That's like an essay, really. But it is beautiful. It's just. An exquisite, memorable, um, faultless little book, and I think everyone who reads it will never forget it. And it's um, quite melancholy. You know, actually, I'll tell you why I read it, It was because I just read a very, very big book, uh, which was Lessons by Ian McEwen, which was the complete opposite. In a sense, because of its length, great big. I mean, even longer than my latest. So the click here
2: would go very well as a as a double purchase with yours.
0: Yes, it it would absolutely. If, if you want to have something, you buy the Tillin Watson. Yes, I would definitely. <laughs> but I'd read Lessons by Ian McEwan, which I absolutely loved. And after a good book by Ian McEwan, I usually struggle for a week or two to read anything. Because I don't want to clear my mind at all from from this work that I've just finished, so the Claire Keegan was an okay. ideal pick. Pick me up.
1: When, when you're um, writing a book, uh, Victoria, how many books would you tend to get out of the library when you're doing your research?
0: Goodness, um, ooh, probably a hundred.
1: A hundred. Yes. For one book, you will get a hundred yes. books of.
0: Yeah, I mean, not all at once, but I go to the London Library. So I, I sit there and read them. I don't take them out. Um, and the London Library is a is a treasure trove. Wow. Uh, and one book leads to another that leads to another. And when you're reading non-fiction um, and you look in the bibliography at the back, then you're always taken on a journey. Like, it's like a tree, You know, you start with the trunk and then you branch and then each branch branches out that branches out. So um, the beauty of of sitting there in the London library is that you can just have a pile on your desk and you don't have to lug them home. You can just go in there day after day. Um, And some of them you might find actually they don't contain anything, you're, you're dipping in so I'm not reading a hundred books cover to cover, some of them yes, some of them no and then if I really believe in their sort of great value as a sort of um, spine of this book that I'm writing then I will buy them so I do buy a lot of books as well and um, each book that I've written has a whole kind of collection in my own library that I feel you know, I want to keep for myself and and reread. Um, and so that's the very exciting part of writing a book for me is is the research bit that takes usually two years. Wow! Um, and um, is hugely enjoyable. I'm never in a massive hurry to start writing until I really feel that I know my subject um, and my kids used to say, Mum, are you are you writing a, are you actually doing a PhD or are you writing another novel? <laughs> um, and that was actually particularly true of The Return, which was my book about the Spanish Civil War, because that has literally thousands of books written on and around the subject. Um, but latterly, usually about a hundred, I will definitely dip in.
2: It might be that you've already answered um, this question, but Apart from Greece, do you have a favorite place to write about?
0: Oh gosh, not well, I can't write about the UK. The figurine actually Why does can't you write about the UK? Because I don't think I'm very good at writing British characters. And even in this latest novel, which has quite a lot set um, in Britain, um, you know, I've written about a Scottish, the dad is Scottish, but the mum is Greek. And then there's sort of the odd villain uh, who's English, but I think they, I'm worried about them being stereotypes, which is an odd thing to say, but I find the people quite difficult to write about unless they're Greek, (laughs) which is why I tend to stick in in Greece now. I mean, I did write about Spain, um, but from now onwards, I don't think I'll be moving elsewhere. Unless I have a blinding flash of inspiration, um, on my way to St Pancras today.
1: <laughs> can you? Can you? Re- I mean, you've talked about reading uh, in the in the British Library, but can you read <coughs> anywhere? Is Sorry, there-
0: in, in the London in library. the London Library, yeah. right?
1: Okay, so c- can you read anywhere? Perhaps reading for pleasure rather than rather than for research. Can you read anywhere? Do you have a favourite place where you go to read?
0: Yes, I do. Actually, my favourite place is usually curled up in bed. I mean, I do like to read in bed because it's a sort of sanctuary. And late in the evening, when when the phone isn't well, not that the phone does ring anymore, does mm. it? That's something of the past. People ask you by text, "When can I call you?" So you know the the evenings and and bedtime has become, you know, a quiet. I
2: read three sanctuary. pages and fall asleep.
0: Oh, do yeah, you? Yeah. Perhaps you should go yeah. to bed earlier. Before you're tired. I think I'd still...
2: uh, If you hadn't become a writer, what profession might you be doing now?
0: Gosh, what would I be doing? My fantasy job was always being a tennis player, but I think... Even that I would have given up by now, I wouldn't know. I? Um it could
2: have been a wow on the seniors tour. <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah, that's true. On the senior, the veterans even begin at no 40. So <laughs> <laughs> On the, the creaky old pensioners tour. Um, what would I be doing? I think I would be... Maybe I'd be a language teacher. I think I'd have given up working if I wasn't writing, to be honest. And I think I'd be learning languages because that is my great passion, is learning languages. And apparently it really does um, keep away, you know, all sorts of things that happen to your mind as you get older. So I'd be doing something with languages, but I don't think it would involve working as such. I think I'd like to be really enjoying not you know having the pressure of of work anymore i have six...
2: on with the duolingo course <laughs> yeah. speaking yeah. out loud and everyone goes what's that i there? know <laughs>
0: it's very speaking annoying Greek. isn't it but no i think um i'm 65 next year and i remember when i was a child and my grandmother lived with us and she was 60 years old you know she was an old lady you know pottering about knitting and sort of enjoying her 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 leisure and I think that's something that I need to learn how to do a bit more.
1: Um, do you have a favourite author that you've that you've met, or perhaps even that not? I've met?
0: Yes. Gosh, well, I have met Ian and I'm sure he doesn't remember it, but I certainly do, and he is my favourite author. Um,
2: I thought you were going to say Ian Hislop. <laughs> oh well, no, he, that he's,
0: <laughs> he's he's on. Uh, he's absolutely. He's taken an oath that he will never write. a a novel Quite right. Too. so he can't be a novelist because um, he's written plays and scripts and all sorts of other stuff um, that's fictional. Ian McEwan to me is just faultless I love every one of his books, I never know what a book of his is going to be about, it's always a surprise, it's always brilliant, his sentence structures are exemplary uh, he... I think he's a great example of somebody who writes to the length that he needs to write. Um, Nutshell, what was that, 150 pages? And then lessons, 500, maybe 600? Um, And they are spare, you know, even then he writes sparingly. He's totally unpretentious. I know he researches in a very, very deep way whatever he's writing. He'll become a brain surgeon if he's writing about a brain surgeon. Um, he'll become a concert, you know, in his mind, a concert pianist if he's writing um, about a concert pianist. I mean, he's, he to me is just the best. And I'm, I'm always annoyed when I've just finished because I've got to wait for the next hardback to come out. (laughs) So I hope the next one of his is a short one.
2: You need to put your headphones on because we have got. We didn't think we had it but but, we have got. What have you got? We've got a little um, audio note, a voice note from uh, fellow author Lissa Evans. Oh.
0: (laughs) Hello Simon, hello Matt and hello Victoria. It's Lissa Evans here, your pal from the library and as you know I love your books and I have a question for you. Which Greek island would you set a murder mystery on? I'd
2: push someone into the volcano in Santorini. That would be fun. (laughs)
0: Yeah, because it could, you know, any time there could be another earthquake, you know, a sort of gap could open up. I think I would set a murder mystery on an idyllic holiday island, um, namely on Skiathos, which is where the first Mamma Mia uh, film was set, which is everybody's... Idea of the perfect, and of course, now we associate it with you know all those jolly Abba songs. And there's nothing I like to do more than take somebody's kind of idyllic place and say, Actually, spoil it, something really nasty has happened here. Um, so (laughs) that's probably I think I would put that on Skiathos.
1: Um, finally, from me, do you do you always finish a book? Do you always decide? No, I've I've got this far. I'm going to carry on all you the way. You mean
0: writing through. or reading? No no, no, no,
1: as in reading. As reading. In reading a book.
0: Um, absolutely not. Good for you. Absolutely not. Um, I'm ruthless. I have a 50 page. Well, actually, sometimes depends on the length of the book. Uh-huh. If it's a very short book, um, let's say 150 pages, I will probably read 50 pages. And even then, and I've just done that, and in fact I was so angry about this book that i bought in hardback um, that it went into the bag for Oxfam. Um, what book was that? <laughs> Funny enough, it was called Greek Lessons oh, Okay. Um, by an author who's internationally acclaimed. It was translated. Uh, she wrote a book called The Vegetarian, which I did enjoy. So I thought, oh, I, I will actually buy her in hardback, buy another, and it was just depressing beyond belief Um, no I'm ruthless life is too short if
2: if you'd bought the Claire Keegan book and didn't like that you'd give it up after a (laughs) paragraph
0: I just knew from the back cover that I would love it so no I think there are limits but no and I I say that to everybody who asks me that question life is too short for every book that you are reading now you're not reading another book and there's a huge queue of books isn't there always waiting to be read so no if you're not enjoying it I'd say the same about books that I write if a reader actually have offered this if I've ever seen somebody picking up a book of mine in a bookshop which is weird but does happen I'll say I hope you enjoy it if you don't I'll give you your money back (laughs) and I mean it you know I hate the idea that somebody wastes money on a book and um doesn't get to the end of it.
2: Finally, having appeared on the Greek version of Strictly, mm-hmm. what's your favourite dance style?
0: Ah, <gasps> very much Latin. Are you watching Strictly, by the way? I am indeed. I'm not. Are you not? <laughs> no, I, I suspect. <laughs> well, nope. I, I admire them. I know what they're going through, and I actually had the huge pleasure um, last week because I went to a recording of Have I Got News and Bill Bailey oh, um, was in the chair and I was so... I just went up and gave him an enormous hug. He because won, he won. Because he won. Yeah. And he he was phenomenal. I mean, I, I lasted for ten weeks, so I did pretty lot. well. Yeah. But Latin, to me, is what dancing is all about. It's about salsa, it's about rumba, it's about the freedom of the body. And I really just detest ballroom um, waltzing. I will not waltz for Matilda. <laughs> I I hated it.
2: Did your but, children, who don't want you to write love scenes, did they complain about your Latin dancing?
0: No, they they were. It's the only time I've ever had any real praise from my children. <laughs> you know, they're not impressed by me in no. any other way. But being turned 360 degrees in a salsa and um, Flashing my pants, admittedly. <laughs> my word. To the Greek audience, they they thought that was absolutely cool.
2: Victoria Hislop, thank you very much indeed uh, for joining us. The figurine is published by Headline and is out now. Remember, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email booksoftheyear@yahoo.com or go via our socials. Be back next week with international bestseller Terry Hayes, whose book is even bigger yeah. than Victoria's. <laughs> Huge. Hope you, hope you can join us then. Thank you for listening.
1: <laughs>